Well, I was taking the dog on a walk, and I was thinking, you know, ever since I had the uh, the new child, who is going to be two, come next uh, next month, you know, she's growing out a lot of hair. I think I think she needs like three more months, and she'll have like full on hair that dips down, right, instead of just like sticking out <laughs> everywhere. And I, I I was thinking, you know, before she was born, I think I had achieved this odd state where I sort of like existed in a parallel r- reality. Right. Where like, you know, I could just kind of like coast along. Things were doing fine. Like you could I could kind of like I, I don't know how to pronounce it uh, in Dutch, but there's this Dutch word that is like um, it. It's one of these words that like they say you can't translate it into English and then they translate it into English and, and tell you like what it is. Yeah. But it means it means basically like coziness. Uh, and I'm not going to try to pronounce is it. Is that that, that Higgy thing? Or? It's it's uh, it's like gazelgig. Gazelling. Oh, wow, wow. And there's a similar word in, in uh, Swedish that doesn't exactly mean cozy, but it means sort of like it means sort of like twilight, and you've lit a bunch of candles around, and you're having a good <laughs> dinner with the, the families. Uh, but but this Dutch word is sort of like, and and you can kind of see it reflected in a lot of Dutch society, where the people are very like closely, uh, they're very close in their family, and they're sort of like first rung of friends, right? It's a bit there you go, and and so like it's. Um, like you see that in play, right? And uh, so I was thinking, like I had my own sort of like coziness, like wrapped around me as this kind of like sphere, like like those. I've been rewatching the first uh, chronologically three Star Wars. You know those, you know those robots that roll around. Oh, that's they, they were in the they were in the last Boba Fett episode. Yeah, no, 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 they weren't. But those robots that roll around, they have that force shield around them. Like I feel like like I had this force shield of like an alternate reality of coziness. And then the, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but then the, uh, this happens, you know, this is life. The, the, the new daughter comes along at the same time she was born, March 2020, at the same time you have COVID, right? Yep. Like everything happens and, and it's just like the, uh, it's like in this little spoiler. And so stop listening if you haven't seen the last episode of the, the Boba Fett. <laughs> the, it's, it's, like, it's like the Rancor monster came around and just punctured the shield on the robot. Right? Uh, yeah. And so, like, the shield falls away. And I feel like when I was walking the dog tonight, I had this glimpse. I feel like Scotty, to, to, to like, mix all my sci-fi shows, I feel like Scotty called me up. And he was like, Captain, we've almost got the shields up. We rerouted the power from, like, you know, Spock's three-dimensional chess simulator. And, like, the shields are almost up. You just got to hang in there a little bit more. And so Kirk is like, I know what I'll do. If it's a female alien, I'll uh, I'll enchant them and distract them. And if it's a robot, I will find a contradiction that causes smoke to come out of them. And if it's some other sort of thing, I'll just improve. You know, I'll just impress them with my pizzazz. So I feel like I'm so close. I just got to do a little a little dancing around, a little like figuring it out. And then uh, Mila's going to turn like two. Maybe this COVID stuff will lift. You know, I got my booster shot. And and this this uh, this uh, this. I'll try to pronounce it. This this comfort bubble is going to pop back up and I'm going to start and my family and I are going to be back into this alternate reality, like purely funded by uh, just like our brain power and the lack of, as, as they say, exogenous circumstances and headwinds. It's going to wow. be all tailwinds. So I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is it's a very optimistic dog walk. Wow. Yeah. I was just saying, Coach, you need to Man. walk that dog more. That's maybe the most optimistic you've ever been on this show ever. I mean, that's <laughs> that must have been an extra. Wait, did you have anything on this dog walk besides just walking yeah, did the you, dog? Did you just there... stop into a, you know, a uh, Is there coffee, coffee shop shops and... or something? <laughs> oh, there, there, you know what? You know what? There are no coffee shops in Dauphin Direct here. You okay. know, like, oh, it's classy. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure there's maybe like some metamucil shops for the old folks to like stop into, but like no no and and uh, no I, I I don't go to coffee shops at all. That's that man doesn't, that doesn't work for me. Your dog walk was much better than mine. <laughs> mine <laughs> mine made me late for the show. <laughs> uh, okay, Jay, the, there's some the, sort of metaphor in there about mine. Yeah. The moral uh, of the story is walk your dog more. Yeah, you know, they always tell you uh, you should have physical activity, and that is true. Like, I, I often, in the morning, I don't want to ride my bike to take the kids to school, but every time I make myself get out there and uh, ride my bike, it's only like an eight, ten-minute bike ride, 
I mean, yeah. but both ways. So you're talking like, what is that, 16 to 20 minutes? But like, man, after you ride the bike, you're just like, you got about five minutes of like king of the world. And then, of course, it all goes to shit. But like, it's, uh, it's, it's great. Just get some physical activity there. And next thing you know, shields up. Today's show is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network. Everyone is worried about privacy, and using a VPN is a great tool to have in the Internet Privacy Toolkit. A VPN will prevent your ISP from tracking your internet activity, and Private Internet Access is the most robust and technically capable VPN available today. Private Internet Access never logs your browsing data and never stores any identifying information about your network connection. Private Internet Access servers are optimized for 10 gig connection speeds and are available in over 75 countries. The VPN is fully compatible with all major streaming services, so you can privately watch your favorite shows from anywhere. Private Internet Access supports all operating systems, including Windows, Macs, and Linux. And it lets you configure the VPN exactly how you want it. This includes the ability to set custom DNS settings, create automation rules for specific networks, and using static IP addresses. You can sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial by visiting privateinternetaccess.com slash SDT. Again, that's privateinternetaccess.com slash SDT. Try it out for 30 days to see if you like it and cancel anytime for a full refund. We thank Private Internet Access for sponsoring our show. So I think it's a side effect of a fantastic article from the, um, I never remember how to say his name. I always want to say Valentine, but Dave, Dave Valentina, who I've actually been interviewed for by him on The Cube. Uh, but as a side effect of an excellent article uh, that, that he wrote, I think we have found the origin of the term supercloud. Now, oh. listeners may remember that, that, that I referenced a great article by Charles Fitzgerald, a, uh, a cloud person that I have gone to, uh, like, like come to really like over the years. I even used some of his data in my most recent book, Changing Mindsets, available for free at cote.io slash books. Uh, to kind of just, I don't know, make some strategic comment. And he had, an, he had a little piece going over like, uh, by SuperCloud, I think you mean PaaS, uh, which, which I think is, is um, I don't know. I haven't read what a SuperCloud is, but the problem is when, you, when you're reading only an article by someone who's refuting a term and they tell you what the term is, you should probably go read the original source uh, instead of like <laughs> well, reading what they but, think but, it is. But, but, but PaaS sounds reductive. Right. Whoa. You know, that's a word. What does reductive mean, Matt Ray? I actually there's two words I don't really know from like highfalutin academic world. Reductive and semiotics. Now, let's put don't, semiotics don't, don't, over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, we'll talk don't, about that later. But what is reductive? Yeah, you'll talk mean? About that. I, I just mean, like, there's a lot going on. And if you if you if you tag something with, oh, it's a pass it, to my mm-hmm. mind, I immediately go to it does one thing. Right. It does one thing and I throw some stuff into it and I get something back out of it. And it's just it's it's like part of my flow. And, and you know, so so, you know, when you think Heroku, you don't think, oh, I'm going to build my entire business on it. You're like, I'm going to throw a container or, you know, I'm going to throw a build pack over there and it's going to run that app. That's all I think of when you say pass. I don't think that's yeah. my data platform. So if yeah, you if you if you yeah, reduce yeah. if you reduce like Snowflake to a pass, I mean, yes, it is. So Salesforce, Ooh. but, you know. That's that just seems overly simplistic. In, in, yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. What, anyhow, so that is a good thing you can uh, check out in this article because they have a link to SuperCloud. However, that's not the point of this article. This article <laughs> is this is an example of I think, and I'm going to slightly contradict myself here in a little bit, but it's an example of a pretty good piece of industry analysis, which is to say it is about the industry of cloud. Right now, this is a distinction I don't think I've made in a while, but a lot of people complain about industry analysts, your Gartners, your Foresters, whoever, that they are not very practical in being prescriptive about how you use IT. But it's very important to remember they are industry analysts and their whole job, and they don't always do this, but their job is to comment on the industry they're covering, which is the the software vendor landscape, right? And there's a lot of analysts who don't necessarily only cover that, like one of the best in the business who now works at uh, Amazon, uh, Jeffrey, <clears throat> Jeffrey Hammond. He was always good at balancing out practical, actionable advice and also um, industry analysis. Anyhow, this is a great representation of, um, 
industry analysis. We'll have a link in the show notes, which you can read if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 343. Um, and so what he's going over here, uh, Dave, I think he goes by, <clears throat> is basically, so let's check in on the, uh, the top, let's say five, six public cloud providers. It gets a little fuzzy. Let's just say cloud providers. Uh, and um, like see how things are going and predict it. And so here's what I want to do. Now, um, as always, usually when it comes to technical things, you know that I throw to Matt and I just stay quiet for a while because he knows what he's <laughs> talking about. But what I'm going to do when it comes to actually have read, having read the things I'm talking about, I throw to Brandon because I know he's actually read it and uh, thought about it. <laughs> hey. Well, I mean, you've read it too, but like, you know, anyways, I got to prioritize okay. uh, or, or something. And um, that does sound kind of like a jerky thing to say now that I'm replaying it in my head. <laughs> but. Reductive. <laughs> hey, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to, you know, uh, I don't know, do whatever it is I do here. But Brandon, I want to summarize my takeaways from the article. And I want you to tell me if, if I am being too, um, what was that word, Matt Ray? Reductionist? Reductive. <laughs> yeah, reductive. Uh, which is, after reading the article, and about midway through, he started referencing this EFT or like TGR thing, and I kind of like fuzzed out in my head. Because like they had some complicated model, this analysis, this analyst, or whoever it was, they had come up with some complicated model that basically represented... I don't know, the goodness of the public cloud people. Like, I don't know what was happening on this chart with the x-axis. It was almost as complicated as NPS, which is to say, let me do a side note. If you have ever read how NPS is calculated, like, I, I would like to go back to Bain. If I had a time machine, I wouldn't kill Hitler. <laughs> I'd go back to whoever at Bain invented NPS and be like, let's just go with the Likert score. We don't need to do this complicated logarithmic bullshit, right? Like, it, it like... On one to seven, based it's just very complicated. Anyhow, it almost like gets to an NPS level of like complexity, uh, complexity. And I feel like the summary after that, uh, the the kind of chart is like, all right, you've basically got three public cloud providers plus Alibaba and uh, kind of VMware and Oracle. And uh, boy, there's an extensive section on Oracle which we should revisit. Um, but I think. What he's getting to, or at least my takeaway, I shouldn't say what he's getting to, is that essentially these are the big public cloud providers and they are just kind of going to be the future of compute and that's kind of it. And and like, you know, they're all making tons of money and they also have tons of profit and all of compute is going to move to uh, cloud, and you'll have some people like my company, VMware and Oracle, who have kind of like specializations in there, and uh, they kind of do their cross-firewall uh, things in there. But essentially, there's so much momentum between these two clouds, and I don't think he exactly says this, but this is my kind of addendum to it, that they basically, the public clouds have kind of commoditized, or they're at the very beginning of just totally commoditizing what infrastructure is and again this is my sort of like extending this out that at some point i feel like they're basically all going to be the same right like they're kind of like there's not that much of a difference between them and so almost and and i was reflecting on our our thing last week brandon which was like the uh, uh valuation is uh, story times uh i don't know ltm like you know current revenue or whatever that's what valuation is and so if these companies in the next five to 10 years, the public cloud companies, basically all have the same thing to offer, then what they need to differentiate on is like actual features, right? Like that's cool to have something to uh, differentiate on. But then like they also need to make sure not to uh, have some sort of like pricing race to the bottom like we saw in the x86 market and, you know, starting in the, the very late 90s and the 2000s where like... Every single PC vendor and also like a blade vendor, I don't really know what that means versus a server, but whatever. Every pizza box vendor kind of sort of did the same thing and they ended up competing on price and then they killed themselves, right? Like it, it's sort of like you'd never, 
never want to get in a price, a downward spiral price war. Like it seems super attractive at the time, but it's just like, make sure you can cash out five years into the future because you're going to destroy your business, right? Like it's not cool. And so like, I almost feel like, again, my takeaway is like, that's what this, this analysis is laying out is like, we've crossed the chasm. We're almost at the apex of the diffusion of innovation, the hype cycle, whatever you want to call it. And now the game for these cloud providers is to really resist getting in a pricing war and also spend a lot of effort on trying to have some kind of differentiation. And then finally, maybe that's why there's so much focus on Oracle, is that the, 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 the point our, our guy Dave has here is that Oracle has really latched on to some kind of differentiation, which is essentially, I don't know, the same thing Oracle's always had is like, we do databases and data really well, and no one else does it better if you want to do a lot right, of real-time mission Inside stuff. of business applications, right? That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the and, part and, of the hard So part anyways, part. anyways, what, uh, how am I doing there, Brandon? Did I, I, think it's uh, pretty, I think that's generally right. I mean, I think to maybe say a little bit differently is, is you know, as we've talked about before, it, it's turning out that the primitives in cloud computing, and I'll just broadly define that as, you know, compute, storage, networking, and I like to throw databases in there, but that can be debated. I think what's, what's turning out to happen is like, that business, why we always thought that business was going to be big, but it's turning out that business is like so much bigger than anyone thought. It's just gigantic, right? It's all the business. And, and you're seeing what you're seeing happen, right? Is um, these companies, Google, Microsoft, and AWS, are able to grow at you know roughly thirty five percent, even at this enormous size, right? So this is sort of kind of uh, I think your analogy to maybe the PC revolutions good. I mean, we have to remember inflation and all that. So the numbers get bigger, but it's kind of unprecedented that companies of this size at these billions of dollars, like an $80 billion run rate can grow at 35% year over year. Right. And that's um, turning out to be just an incredible, you know, gold mine. We probably won't talk about it in detail this week, but like AWS, you know, they, they were the only one that hadn't announced earnings from last week. And sure enough, they've had another phenomenal quarter. And, that's really kind of the interesting thing is like, I think that's what he's putting out in this article is that like, well, you know, before you, before there's the race to the bottom, there's like, just to continue on with your Jeffrey Moore, there's the inside their tornado, right? There's usually the kind of like, who are going to be the three players. There'll be the one gorilla that's AWS. And then they, I think he uses chimps as like the other metaphors. It's like, <laughs> there's like, and that's kind of a jure in Google. So most markets and he's, you know, you know, if you want to save money on the book, you should read the book. But, you know, if you don't want to, it's just basically most markets come into three competitors, like a gorilla and then a, a couple smaller players. And that's kind of what's shaping up here. So I think when you kind of come down to it, it's like, yeah. So in this phase of the market, it's it isn't so much about price war. It's just about capturing market share. And I think that's firmly where we are. And so what will happen? And I think this will be. An open question is like maybe these businesses are just so much bigger than we thought that that frankly AWS Azure and and GCP while they're all going to offer lots of more features like the primitive business is always going to be where the money is made right I just think you know that I think those companies will probably fight that assumption that or that um, that prediction I just made there but I think that's what's going to happen and then what you get to is kind of what you know the rest of the article is talking about is like well. You know, if that's the case, then there's plenty of other opportunities for people to build applications and manage applications on top of it, that being Oracle. And then you get even higher up that it, you know, in case of like all the hyperscalers, it doesn't make sense for them to go fight with Salesforce and try to build a Salesforce or build a Snowflake or whatever, because they're making so much money on the primitives. And that takes so much time and effort that it's fine to go ahead and like share the wealth a little bit. Um, and, And I think that's kind of what he's saying. And then I think at the end, he kind of wraps around and says, what you're talking about is um, this idea of the super cloud, then, you know, maybe that comes up the idea that like, hey, I should just be able to pull, um, you know, infrastructure for whatever I want. And maybe that sort of emerges as super cloud um, idea down the road. But I think it's pretty far out, right? I think we have a lot of market share to be won before we get to any type of commoditization. Yeah, you, you know, I, I think... I hadn't thought of the angle to to put it in my uh, own words that you're raising is that the pie is plenty big, right? The mm-hmm. pie of money is plenty big, so you you don't have to worry about other people coming in and adding uh, stuff on top of your your public cloud, right? Like you know you can offer something there, but it's totally cool 
if someone else comes in and a high, with, with a uh, highly specialized thing, I don't know, like data analysis or whatever, to add on to what you're, you have there, because there's, uh, there's plenty of money to be had. Well, and, and, and gaming is, is a distraction we've seen. Like this week, Google announced, you know, they're shutting, shutting down Stadia. You know, nobody saw that coming. But, you know, Amazon, like throughout, I haven't heard them talk about their gaming platform lately. Um, you know, they've got that lumberjack thing. Um, so there are a lot of distractions. I, I think this article is saying, you know, not only is, hey, the pie is growing, but also like you might want to stay focused on your lane. I mean, yes, these super clouds are going to build on top of you. And of course, their profits are attractive to, you know, the likes of Amazon and, and, and others. You know, when, when Amazon sees Snowflake, they're, they're not thinking, oh, that's just a great customer of ours. They're thinking we want that money, too. Um, but you still have to be really careful how you get distracted and yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing now, now to balance it out, I was also thinking about this on the dog walk that I had with the, uh, the, 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 uh, like, transformative uh, dog walk. I, I was, cause I was thinking about, you know, what are we going to talk about on this show? And I was reflecting on this article and I was thinking, so all of these public cloud, well, I shouldn't say all. There is clearly a lot of profit in public cloud, right? And I, I was thinking, and you know, uh, any therapist would tell you you shouldn't dwell on your past too much because what are you going to do about it, right? I don't know if they say it that way, but like, I, I was thinking, you know, like I was, I was in the maybe the 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 first second wave of the cloud wars, and at one point I had to like sit in a room and like lay off 11 people I'd never met because I was technically a manager and we were shutting down the cloud at the place I was working. And like, like, but now public cloud is highly profitable and like all of these companies just like, they just didn't do it, right? Like they couldn't figure out how to like get into the public cloud market. And, and when I would talk with all these people, they would be very dismissive of just doing like commodity public cloud. And it seems like, and of course, hindsight is blah, blah, blah. But it seems like if they had just been willing to like, I don't know, spend lots of money and like hire the right people, <laughs> they, you know, I wouldn't have had to lay off those 11 people. And it's just like, it's always odd to think back on like all these assumptions and things that people were saying. And, uh, and, and it was clearly like, I feel like there were lots of people at the time who was like, this is a really good business that we should all get into. And then you would get all this pushback from, from people in incumbent companies saying they're like, oh no. But I think it's it, not, it's I wouldn't, good. um, Wait, what, result, what is what is that, Brandon? That's like a reverse halo effect. Yeah, right? but like, I think it doesn't like I think this is where um you know the inside the tornado and that the, this whole Jeffrey Moore would, would kind of say it's like it really doesn't matter how these markets start. For the most part, they're gonna end up with three. So yeah, so, yeah. so it's fine. Like, you know, the fact that you know you got that you're at that time your company tried and they had to lay off people, like it was gonna happen no matter what. Because like if we went back in time mm -hmm. and we looked at the infrastructure as a service magic quadrant, is that what it was? Like back in the day? Yeah. yeah there yeah. were probably like I like think the first one had like twenty. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot on there. And then there of course, like every year to the point where they retired it was like and when they retired it, there were really only I guess there were five, but there were really only three. And I think so so no matter what happens in these markets, there's always gonna be the consolidation, typically around three vendors and then a little bit like a bunch of niche vendors, but that's that's what really matters. So I think no matter what happened. It was going to come down to this. Now, you could say maybe, you know, a number of companies were probably in better position to be the number one than AWS when it started. Like, I think if we were just betting, I think AWS probably would have been pretty far down on the list, like good odds. Um, but, you know, we all know the history. A million different things happen for a million different ways, whether it's IBM or HP or Dell. I mean, you can pick a lot of them out that we would have put ahead. Um, yeah. But it worked out. This is the way it worked out, right? And I think... In retrospect, what is clear to me was to win at this, you needed to have an incredibly profitable, profitable adjacent business to pour capital into right, to get right, to right. the size that you can make this money. And when you look at who's won, there's really maybe Apple's maybe the only one that's like missing, right? Like there's, there's only a couple other companies that really could have invested at the level to get here. And all these companies that's have like true. a very different profitable business too. Like their profitable businesses generally don't compete. So mm -hmm. there's a lot, you know, there's a lot inside of all of that. Yeah. You know, and, and that is, uh, you know, there was, there was, uh, quite a write up. I don't know. Was this 
I've lost track of time, but maybe five, four years ago of people were using Apple and the iPhone as a way of trying to disprove uh, disruption theory, right? That, that being that disruption theory being that like a cheaper, lower feature alternative like enters the market and eventually like takes over the incumbent because like blah, 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 to use that phrase again. But, you know, Apple was uh, a more expensive at the time it, it launched less featureful. Uh, well, I guess it was less featureful, but a much more expensive offering. And yet it took over in the market and totally like killed it. Right. And I wonder if like what the disruption theory says of because because when AWS, when S3 and EC2 were introduced, definitely not as featureful as like, I don't know some sun blade or whatever, right? Or a mainframe. And yet, like, it did disrupt the market. However, Amazon had a ton of money, right? And so, like, it's, it'd be interesting to know, like, how disruption theory is modified if the disruptor is, like, insanely wealthy. And, right. like, how, well, how, how that, that feels. That with, can, can you buy your way in? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think yeah. you should couple that with, and they had an insanely... Uh, if you will, important, like captive audience, like they were building something they needed. So that just right, sort of ups right. the, the chances you get it right when you're building something that has to be live in production all the time are so much bigger. And I think this is another thing, right? And I think Google into the lesser degree, Microsoft, Google has that same type of, um, you know, story, right? They've been doing this for a while. So they kind of built tools for themselves. They really understood the problem. Whereas, you know, most of the other vendors like didn't they didn't have a retail business like I mean they didn't have a retail business to support right so they had to buy someone like Softlayer and mm, so they didn't quite right, have right. the same DNA so so I think you know you have like a lot of things happening at the same time and then of course you just have to have and again go back and read you know um, the everything store where it's not you know and we've talked about it at length here like when AWS was launched nobody at at Amazon was predicting it to be a hundred billion dollar business, right? There was like there, and then there's that famous quote of Jassy, like having the conversation, I don't know, do you think we could be a billion dollar business? And everyone was sort of like, that's crazy. So, so remember like, you know, like history is always told by the winners. Like even at the time of it was happening, the, the, the goals were much more modest than it really was. So um, all of these things is what happens. Right. And this is why we're left with these three. And I think what's going to happen now is the market will, if you will, coalesce around them, coalesce around these primitives and then to i think your point matt is like there will always be people at all the companies kind of saying we need to do something different we can't be disruptive but the simultaneously this primitive business is going to grow for a while i think i think it's going to be a lot bigger and oh, so yeah, to your point sure. about keeping your eye on this may be more important than the next machine learning sage maker you know, whatever the thing is that they're they're offering, it's like, yeah, that's important. But you know what's really important? Making storage and compute run even more efficient and um, um, be more cost effective because that's what people are going to buy. Yeah, and and that's I I hadn't thought about that, but that is a good one of the the many lessons to learn from like the x eighty six business. And like, I mean, I haven't worked at Dell in a long time in strategy, so I don't, you know, I've kind of lost track, but kind of observing Dell and I don't know about HP, but like you observe them and they are really good at preserving, as they would say, the cash flow of that core business, right? Like, so, and I mean, I don't know, they seem to have been doing all right, right? Like, like so, somehow as, as a big, weird conglomerate, they figured out how to survive and, and be cool, right? And so exactly, right? Like, maybe that is a good takeaway from this article is that as you keep saying, the primitives, the core of the business for these public clouds has more or less been established. And looking at it from an industry standpoint, long term over the next five or 10 years, the importance of that business is to focus on making those that core, that primitive, the best possible and really not losing track of that, uh, you know, getting distracted with all sorts of other interesting things and uh, just focusing on the value of that, which which. Uh, I don't know. Public cloud. What are you going to do? Seems like a thing. Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Are you still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? Well, it's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and critical infrastructure that powers your company. With StrongDM, you can 
instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. Eliminate credentials from end-user workflows to deploy access that's zero trust and least privileged by default. Trusted by your peers at SoFi, Yext, and Chime, StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. But who believes in ad? Check out StrongDM for yourself with a no BS demo. I'm pretty sure that's an abbreviation for some cussing. Sign up at strongdm.com slash SDT. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. All right, so I finally wrote an article. I tried to sum up, you know how it's been for the past year or two, right? Kubernetes is not for developers. It's a platform for making platforms. And uh, I had this opportunity. Uh, the, um, someone was like, hey, we can get a piece in Container Journal. They're interested in predictions. And so uh, this, is what, this is what happens when you uh, work at a larger company and you're external facing is people kind of help you develop ideas. And uh, they, they had a great outline, kind of like a, an initial pass at it. And I went in and kind of rewrote this article to be like my take, my summary of like, Kubernetes is not for developers. And uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it's, it's I think it, uh, at least for this week, it's, it's sort of like my manifesto on the topic. And uh, my, the only, so the, someone, you know, it just lays out the case that like the, the important thing is that it's not for application developers, right? And once you segment out developers into all the various types, you got you got your Matt Ray developer, who is an operations platform developer. You know, all the above. Yeah, yeah. He he can he can build he can build you a a Beowulf a Beowulf cluster that will allow you to turn your lights on and off remotely, right? Like whatever you need. Uh, and then you have the application developers who are, are moving pixels around on the screen, right? They they do the things that we do. And everyone's always saying, right? Kubernetes is not for them. They they don't want to. They don't want to stay out of my it. cluster. That's right. And so I thought I would just write down all this stuff very forcefully. I've, I've been forcing myself to do this over the past two years. It's not be. Uh, I mean, this may come as a shock to some people, but uh, I don't really like to make very strident claims about things and be very definitive, except here on this podcast. Uh, but I thought I, I should just like let's just really uh, put the stake in the ground and go for it. Uh, and and I think I think the article came out uh, it came out okay it, it was pretty good I sadly uh, I think someone edited out one of my favorite phrases is is like you know I'm biased I work at VMware and uh, they help pay my mortgage every month but someone took that out because <laughs> VMware marketing is like you can't say that he, he puts yeah. that in every article Cote stop it I don't I don't know however however and this is you know at some point when you write a lot of articles like. Uh, you start sort of like seeing how you can impress yourself and what you can get away with. Oh. And, and I, I did manage to sneak in uh, a, a, a very oblique reference to the Big Lebowski. So that was good. I, I got that in there. And uh, I also got in a rephrasing of, you remember, I, I forget who came up with this. I don't, I, I don't know if it was like me or like uh, Schaefer or whoever, but there was this idea of like, you know, Good job configuring your servers," said new, no CIO ever in the annual. I think it was review. Schaefer. Yeah, I've yeah, definitely yeah. heard that one's been around. Yeah, because C- you know back back in 2015 or 2016, we were throwing that one around in the slides, and early. Uh, yeah. I, I managed to reformulate that with uh, with with YAML or whatever, which is great. Now, <laughs> I don't actually know what YAML is. I've seen it, uh, and and I've never and like written it. I, I haven't actually written it, and like when I look at YAML. You know, again, not again, but for a long time, listeners will know I stopped programming in 2006. And when I look at like YAML and JSON, I'm like, I don't know. I think the XML people, I think Tim Bray had it figured out because oh, this looks like a fucking geez. shit show. Well, now we're right? going to get some like, email. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, whatever. To each their own. <laughs> I, I don't uh, I don't work in this stuff anymore. To tie your article back, I think... Um, so one, I think we should, let's do a quick promotion here. Everybody needs to watch the Kubernetes documentary for next week because we will be mm. reviewing that next week. And I've, I've already seen it. So I think that documentary will kind of sets up a lot, like kind of where does Kubernetes go next? And I think kind of dovetailing to what we talked about before, it's sort of like, hey, Kubernetes is maybe, you know, 
going to be the primitives of the future. So back to our, 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 our cloud uh, discussion before we have our three major clouds and they've all want, if, if Kubernetes is going to be the, the primitives of for application in the future, they're all kind of fighting for parity, which is, I think is what we have there. But, and I think I'll, I'll let you, everyone watch it. And then documentary at the very end, there's a lot of talk about developer experience, right? And I think this is what you're saying here is that the developer experience is still up for grabs. It is collectively, everyone agrees it's not what it should be and it's not good enough. So this becomes, if you will, the next uh, part, I don't know what we're going to call it, the the platform war, wars or something. If we had the cloud wars, we're going to have this next thing. It's like, who can figure out the developer experience to one, win over the developers, and then two, who can actually make money from it, right? Because I think that's that's where we are in the industry. And I guess to me, that's like at your end here, the future of Kubernetes, you're uh, not to steal your thunder and your conclusion, right? But I think that's <laughs> that's kind of what you're saying, right? And I think that's like yeah. to me, that's that's kind of the interesting thing for all of us. And, and it's well, like, and maybe, and finally, just to wrap this all up, it's like when you see that Red Hat acquisition, of course, you know, Kote, you've got the Tanzu stuff you're working on. There's a million other startups trying to make it easier. You know, maybe uh, in a few years, we'll see, like, it'll be three, right? It'll be three key experiences going forward. Or maybe it'll be one. I don't know. This will be a fun part but, for us to But watch. it won't. I mean, if there's anything we've learned from from programming is, like, the more the closer you get to the end developers, the farther away you get from standardization. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've standardized yes. on, on Kubernetes and, and, you know, we're like, all right, developers, now you're free to just throw your stuff on Kubernetes. And they're like... All right, over here we've got the the JavaScript folks. Over here we've got the Java people. Over here we've got the you know the Haskell and the Go's and you know the C sharps and you know the Nutballs and Swift and and it's just like you're never gonna get like oh this is the one true way right and you'll have people like well we'll just invent a standard and now we're back to the you know XKCD of now we've got sixteen standards and so like I, I yes we're always gonna be pursuing that end developer because you know that's that's where the hotness is but. You know, the reason IBM bought Red Hat is, you know, you get to be the substrate, you know, and eventually, just like those public clouds, some of that money's got to come back, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think what yeah. you're hitting to is like, maybe we're just headed down another cul-de-sac, right? It's like, everyone knows the developer experience is too complicated. Everyone chases this. I mean, probably since the dawn of computing. I don't know, like 60 years into this. But it just, what you're saying, Matt, and I, you know, I tend to agree, it's like, it just becomes another cul-de-sac and things move on, right? And I think, and then this kind of goes back to what we are saying before, and you know what always makes money is the primitives. Primitives being compute, storage, you know, networking. Like you just, like you always need it. So back to like, hey, if you got to own something, just own that because it doesn't matter how many cul-de-sacs get built on top of you, you're always getting paid. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, the summary is you should go read that article and, uh, <laughs> And basically publicize it everywhere and talk about how great it is. That's, that's, that's all I'm looking for. But uh, no, I, I mean, more seriously, like, I think it would be nice to, because uh, I feel like, you know, everyone has a sentiment, right? And we just need to, like, we got to, like, put it to bed and be like, boom, not for application developers. That's it. Finished. And I think, I think most of the, uh, the insider thought lords and ladies and, and um, non-binary uh, monarchy uh would would like say that but uh we should get that message out more uh and uh i don't know it's a container journal check it out not really sure what that is but they <laughs> they, they publish the thing i've got a subscription <laughs> <laughs> that's right get the trades i, I get well, i get it weekly <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah do you remember do you remember walter bodwell he had uh-huh, he, we, uh-huh. we knew he was high status because he had a round table in his office he had oh. an office big enough that he had a round desk, table in it. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, oh, oh. Did he? Did he get the PC Week? Uh, yeah, I think. I think he had Networking World table? and PC uh, Week. Oh, and so where nice. were they? They give you those subscriptions for free if you're like you know uh, high, uh, high. They did. When, when I found out that I could fill out both sides of that uh, that as we would say over here A four size paper and get a free subscription, I was like, I've arrived. I, I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting Networking World in the pay. And, and, and now you're like. It's just piling up in the recycle bin. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, speaking of piling up in the recycle bin, what do we have piling up with bureaucracy, Brandon? All right. Several things this week. One, I want to thank, I think it's Cohen. I sent him some stickers in Luxembourg. Um, I believe that's, he's the first person to uh, getting stickers in Luxembourg. So immediately promoted him to the official. How how many countries, how many countries have we had now? 
We got a lot, in like the a lot. 40? I don't know. I was, I had to look up. I was like, I was like, and now London's, I was unsure exactly where it was. And I was like, ah, it turns out it's close to Cote. So Cote, you should go to Luxembourg. Sometime. Yeah. There, there's and, a, uh, if, if, if you, if you happen to be in Luxembourg city, there's a five guys there, uh, free ketchup, free refills <laughs> on your drink, American beef. So it you can have a little, like a little American experience. wrong place to go when you're in Luxembourg is to eat. No, this, this is, this is the Not thing good. about fi- the thing about five guys. Totally consistent. The Five Guys burger yeah. and fries you'll have in Luxembourg City, the same as you'll have in like I don't fucking know. Where we like we did in Singapore. Whenever I'm in Europe, I'm like I want free refills. Yeah, that's yeah. A strong call. Yeah. yeah. All right. So thanks a lot for uh, him writing in. Also, uh, sent some stickers to Craig in Canada. So it's been great. We've been doing the show so long. People are rotating out their laptops. So he needed a new set of stickers for his his laptop. So yeah. So just for everyone, if you want more stickers for any reason, because you got a new laptop. You got some new coworkers. Just uh, email me at stickers dot, not stickers dot. Let me try that again. Email me at stickers at software defined talk. Uh, I just need your postal address, and I'll be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. And as I mentioned before, uh, we're gonna watch. We're gonna talk about the Kubernetes documentary next week. So it'll be fun. Everyone should watch it. It takes about forty five minutes. There's lots of people in there you'll recognize. Uh, I think we'll have plenty to say about it. So watch it, and you know we'll do our first ever. Uh, movie review here at our, we'll call it a rewatchable we're going to do a rewatchable episode of uh, of that it's going to be fun and then finally we didn't get it to this week but i'm just going to point it out anyway Dote, I, thought, I think maybe you and i and matt certainly can join in if he wants like i felt like man we need to dust off the exegesis feed because this powerpoint about peloton that this investment bank fantastic <laughs> simply what i'm just not ready to take down powerpoint like this in a long time so we can't go into it this week it was fantastic at some point maybe we'll uh we'll dissect I, I, that entire I've, thing. I've seen people using that chef kiss kiss emoji a lot i think oh. i think that would that would just be the name of the episode just oh, the chef, the chef kiss emoji. i mean yeah. the bullets wow. the fonts i mean it's I I can't I can't I have to stop myself from going on. So so yeah, yes, yeah. check that out if you're looking for something fun to fun, I guess, in a quote way, quotations. And fun in quotations, a fun thing to look at. So yeah. now we have two special episodes coming up. We got, I don't know. We got, I don't know if we'll ever get to that one. That may be so niche. I don't know of anyone, but I will, I had a lot to think. I have a can lot to save it for a segment. Yeah. All right. I yeah. think I think I think our audience would love it. And what is the um it's schadenfreude, right? There's a German yeah. word that means yeah. taking pleasure in other people's misery, uh, which I think is, uh, that's what makes, that's what the chef kiss is there. Huh. Boy, it is, it is it is a piece of work. Well, as always, this time of year, there's lots of conferences. Uh, the That conference rescheduled is May 23rd to 26th in Round Rock, which might as well be Austin. I don't want to insult anyone. Oh, by the way, Brandon, are you boiling water? Uh, not anymore. It's finally been uh, <laughs> okay. The, good. The good. Bull water uh, thing has been lifted, but we did there for a few days. Good. Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Being responsible. So that is May twenty third to twenty six. We have some discount codes if you go to software defined talk slash three forty five. I should say software defined talk dot com slash three forty three, and you can get discount codes. There's also a that conference in Wisconsin in July. There's a lot of DevOps days going on. There's one in Chicago, May 10th and 11th. There's one in Birmingham, Alabama, not England, uh, 18th and 19th. I wonder how the English say Birmingham. They probably don't say Birmingham. It's like Birmingham or something like that. Uh, and uh, also there's DevOps days, Austin, May 4th and 5th. I, th- you know, I, I think I might go to that one and speak. I'm still clearing it with uh, arranging it with the wife, but I think I might be there for their 10th uh, anniversary thing. Cool. Um, and uh, Splunk's conference is coming up June 13th and 16th. And once we finalize the landing pages and the dates and all of that, we'll, I'll have a lot of spring tours uh, to mention. And I'll be at some of those as well, uh, going over the VMware Tanzu application stack uh, and how fantastic it is so you can learn what you should be doing uh, to be cool. That's my pitch. They'll have to go with it over there in marketing. Now with that, Brandon, what's your recommendation for this week? Well, I want to report back that, you know, here at Software Defined Talk, we went through a massive data migration project in the cloud ourselves. We have successfully moved uh, pretty much all the important files that we collaborate on to iCloud Drive. And you know what? I like iCloud Drive. I was a little unsure that it could be, uh, we could share files, but it turns out it works fine. And it's really nice that it's integrated into the operating system. So this is, you know, this is just me enjoying the default lifestyle. Just, if you will, just walking into the the Apple store, just buying more stuff. But I do think my now rule of thumb is if you can use the cloud storage embedded into your operating system. So at work, 
Uh, I have a Windows laptop I sometimes use, and that's great. OneDrive is great there. I think iCloud is great on the uh, the uh, Mac OS. And then, you know, I still have some Google Drive out there because it is a little bit easier to collaborate on Docs. That's it. I've gotten rid of all my other boxes, the Dropbox, the um, the one box, everything else is, is box.com. I'm, I'm done with them. And I think I feel better for it. So, so if you've been waiting, I would say iCloud drive now does what you want it to do. So check it out. I, I think it's amazing that I didn't connect our discussion last week, uh, to the default lifestyle. Cause like you laid out the, the ultimate first, the defaults lifestyle choice is just like, just go with iCloud. Like, don't think about it. Recycle those other boxes. Fuck them. Like, and, and just, uh, Go with the, the terrible named one. Matt Ray, what is your recommendation this week? So my recommendation is the uh, Kensington Expert Mouse Trackball. Uh, I've been using um, the big old trackball for uh, a number of years. You know, the, the large trackball, not the little tiny thumb ones or anything. And the, I, 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 you know, it, uh, the one I've been using for like five or six years, it... Uh, slowly been dying and so you know you don't think twice you just go and buy yourself a replacement if, if you find something you like stick with it so uh new one came yesterday one day you know amazon one day shipping and uh, here here we are you know you know when when the the strategist do the uh, total addressable market the tam for trackballs they just have a slide with a picture of matt ray on it <laughs> but but that's the thing it's like i'm not much of a market i i'm you know i'm spending 80 dollars every five years that's not that big a market just, just, you're just keeping the trackballs alive, Matt Ray. I, I you, yes, I'm keeping the big, large trackballs alive. Basically, you and that weird little museum at Barton Springs that has. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, all right. Well, my recommendation. I have two recommendations in the media category. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, as I've mentioned, I am strongly considering canceling all streaming services except Disney. Because I think, I think well, because we don't have HBO Max here in the Netherlands yet. I've heard that this month or next month uh, it will be available. You can and get I, a VPN. I know. I was about to say I can't be bothered to figure out some sort of router-based VPN, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Like, I got shit to do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, I, I came upon, uh, they have a uh, something called Star Wars Visions. And I'm not going to do it right, but it seems like... They've taken the Star Wars universe and some like anime people, so like styles, and they've made some episodes. Now, I don't know. I'm going to reveal something that maybe people uh, will, will not like me for, but like I don't really like anime. I don't like that whole style. I'm not into that. Like I don't. I don't know what it is, but it's not my deal. And uh, but the first episode that I saw was fantastic. It was like great. I was watching it and. I was thinking, like, my conclusion after watching the first episode of Star Wars Vision was, like, I'm really glad that Disney owns the Star Wars IP because they were just like, we are going to do the shit out of this universe. And I think they should just keep <laughs> doing it. Like, if this is what they're coming up with and the whole Mandalorian and Boba Fett thing, they should just, like, run with it. Run it into the ground as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> now, my second recommendation is an older movie, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, you know, the Wes Anderson yeah. claymation thing. And uh, I have watched that with my daughter, uh, the, the little one, because she likes to watch movies now. Uh, I don't know, maybe 20, 50 times, and it just gets better every single time. It's, it's a great movie, and uh, I think it's very well done. It's, it's almost very calming to, to watch it. And uh, those that people should check that out. So with that, this has been another Software Defined Talk episode. If you want to get the show notes for this, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 343. You can find out how to join our Slack channel, which is quite lively in, in a good way. All sorts of good links there. I realized recently that I could probably stop reading my tech news RSS feeds because the, uh, the community we have there in the Slack channel actually covers interesting articles and I can stop reading about the new uh, channel executives at various companies uh, in the feeds that I have. Uh, I don't know. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm interested in trends and things that are happening. Yep. Uh, so with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This, this long, we need, we're going to have to get someone to pronounce it right. What is it? The, and get a recording of it. That would be <laughs> I don't even know. Like you're saying it's such, I guess two L's in Dutch is doesn't sound like L's. Is that what uh, it's right? No, 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 no. The, 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 the G is, the, the G is like, so if you, if you want to say is good morning. H?
No, 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 no. no. It's it's not that complicated. If if you want to, I mean, it's not that kind of complicated. Uh, if if you want to say good morning, you say chudomorga, chudomorga, or like you know, all, you can say alles chud, which. Now, the Germans and the Dutch don't like to hear this, but their languages are very similar. Uh, <laughs> kind of in the same way that, that Spanish, French, and Italian are very similar to oh, a native speaker. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and so the G is like hood or hu, and then the E's are pronounced kind of like a U, like U, like so, so it would be hu. This is great. Sounds hu. like hacking Lugay. Yeah, G. that's right. It's, it's so, an RG. So it would be like. <laughs> So it's hard to print like that. They double up letters when there is. Oh, it means it's like a hard thing, like a hard sound. No, 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 no. The doubling up of letters is is strictly in writing when you have a consonant surrounded by two vowels, I think, mm. or something like that. So it's just L. Like the L in Dutch is more or less like English or Angles, as they say. So you would say Hulel sig and z is pronounced like an s so who else or who else or something All like right. that it sounds like i'm getting my i'm gonna a little project i'm gonna get my dutch co-workers one of them maybe tomorrow i'm gonna, I'm gonna get them to say this for me yeah. <laughs> i don't know my dutch man if, if i had to study dutch, oh no no i i, I, I was well. so okay i have the spelling wrong it's who's ulig who's who's it's like this, right? It's spelled like Huzilig. this. Like yeah, Huzilig. Huzilig. Yeah, there you go. See, it Huzilig. feels like you're clearing your throat. I guess that's an English thing. Like when yeah, I hear yeah, that in no, other we, languages, it feels no, we, like yeah, we don't have something that. wrong. Like we don't have that sound in English. Huzilig. It's probably when yeah. the Normans who spoke French came in, they like erased that out of the uh, I'm okay with this. This is one of the few times English where I'm language. like, I'm actually glad. I think we did well getting rid of that sound. I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. Like, I feel like... That was a good decision, whoever was yeah. in charge of that. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of other things in English I don't like, you know, all the homonyms. And it, 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 is, it is like... like, a, is like, let's get rid of that hard sound that's like kind of like makes you have phlegm yeah, in your yeah. throat. That's out. Yeah. I, like that. as, I, I mean, as a tip for, the, uh, for, for the, the people listening here, if you want, if you find yourself uh, unsure if someone's speaking German or Dutch, you got to listen for the G because the Germans, the Germans say it's slightly different than English, but the Dutch are just like, I'm going to do the shit out of this G. 